Hi there. You are listening to a message recorded by High Point Life. To listen to more messages and to find out more about our church, head over to our website at highpointlife.com. Well, I bring you greetings from Praise City Church, the church that I pastor. Um, I was given a topic to preach on, and it's John chapter 13, No Servant is Greater Than His Master. And um, we're going to look through that passage of Scripture and learn from the truth of the Word of God. But there are three things when Jesus went, you know the story pretty well, that Jesus w- washed the feet of the disciples. But you know why Jesus washed the feet of the disciples and what made Him do that, even though He is Creator God, even though He is the Master of everything? Yet he was able to do it. There are three things that the Bible tells us about, and that is in verse 1, it says, It was before the Passover, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. You see, Jesus knew that his time is near. He knew that. And then he knew that all authority was given to him. In verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning back to God. All authority is given to Him. He knew that and He knew what? He was going back to the Father. You know, as much as we celebrate our birthdays, we won't be able to celebrate our death day because we won't be around (laughs) for that day. But... Know this, the most important day of your life is the day that we die. Yes, either we win it all or we lose it all. Isn't that true? If on the last day in our lives and we keep on holding on to God, we believe in the Lord, we win everything. But if in the last day of our lives and we choose to let go of God, we lose everything. So that's the most important day of our lives. Stay faithful to God. And, and here it is that Jesus tells us He knew that His authority was given to Him and He was a very secure individual and He knew that He was from God and going back to God. I can't tell you how I'll end my life, what's going to happen to me, how, how, how I will leave this earth whether on one Sunday morning I'll be preaching and I'll drop down. I know one of my um, no, lay leaders in another church, on a Sunday morning he was preaching and then he collapsed and then he is gone. What a way to go. <laughs> right? In the house of God declaring the word of the Lord. But we don't know how we're going to go. I don't know, you know, hopefully through our, in our sleep or sometimes it may be a little bit more tragic through an accident or through a sickness. We don't know. But we do know one thing is this. As you keep faith in God, we will be going back to God. Right? Hello? You don't seem to be pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just uh, otherwise I'll ask you to nudge your neighbor and making sure that uh, he doesn't sleep with his eyes or her eyes open. <laughs> uh, they'll be still um, look, listening to the message. They say that a secure person can see greatness in the small things. It is only when it's an insecure individual... Uh, that's the next slide. An insecure individual, right, um, would be very petty because it says, if you ask me to do these things, that means you don't value me. It means that I don't have worth. It means, you know, they don't believe that I have greater potential. No. A secure individual who knows who he is can see greatness 
even in the small things of life. And when we serve God in that manner, the Lord sees and He will honour. Now, prior to the institution of the Lord's Supper, there was an ugly scene that took place, not among the rioters that were outside, not among the Pharisees, but it was an ugly scene among the disciples themselves. And that is in Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 27, a dispute arose among them to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise of authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you shall be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is on, at the table or the one who serves? Is it not true, the one who is at the table? And true enough, we would agree isn't it, that the one at the table would be the greater one. But Jesus says this, look, he says, but I am among you as one who serves. So the disciples were quarreling one another, jostling for position. Uh, John and James uh, was one step ahead of everybody. Remember, they brought the mothers along also. <laughs> and they came to Jesus and said, when you come in your power, let us sit. It doesn't matter whether it's myself or, or James, one on your right and one on your left, uh, we'll be very happy. And um, when they heard about that, you know, they were angry. And right now they were disputing again who is the greatest among them all. Imagine, Bible school training, three years. Uh, and towards the very, very end, they were still fighting like small boys, right? Jostling for, jostling for the position. And not only was there dispute among the disciples, it was at that time, right, when Jesus was going to do this beautiful act of the demonstration of His love, the devil was also acting very strongly. The force of evil was at work during a holy moment. You find that in this passage of John chapter 13, verse 2, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Matthew 26, verse 25 says, Then Judas, the one who betrayed him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. Even at the very end, he has already you know, made an agreement with the high priest and uh, all those in the Sanhedrin to deliver Jesus. And when Jesus mentioned, one of you will deny me. Not only deny me, but betray me. And he leaned over with an innocent-looking face. What a mask he put on. And he said, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. But Jesus says, you have said so. Why, did, why was it put here? Such a holy moment that Jesus is about to wash the feet of the disciples. Right? They were quarreling, the disciples were quarreling, and the, the Satan was mentioned there. We need to know that in this incident, it reminds us. What you, would you do if you were to know that seven days from that time, in seven days, you will die. And within seven days, you won't die because of a sickness. You won't die because of an accident. 
you wouldn't die because of anything else, but that you would die because your best friend will betray you and stab you in the back, literally kill you. It's a very sobering moment. But you look at how Jesus ministered. He knew it was Judas, but yet there was no lecture that was given to him. There was no anger. If I can get rid of Judas, I, can, I don't have to go through the cruelty of dying on a cross. No. But Jesus there did the act of love, demonstrated to his disciples in a and most you know, um, unwelcoming setting. And yet Jesus showed his love to his disciples. What a wonderful God that we believe in. I don't know about you. If you know that someone is going to betray you and you know and look at his face and you're sitting there smiling as if he's your best friend, I don't know what you do. Okay? Me being, being very, uh, what is that, very human, if I knew that guy was going to betray me and... Uh, Rob me of everything, or probably I'll punch him in his face and <laughs> you know, take him out first before he takes me out. But probably you're sitting here so spiritual. Wow, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, you've, you've ne never had someone hurt you before, you never had someone you know gossip about you before, you haven't had someone point the finger and accuse you of something that you, that you did not do, but you had to pay the penalty for it. But anyway, Jesus was there, and he saw the disciples quarreling, he saw Judas there, and uh, yet, the next few moments, the scripture tells us he did this. In Luke and John chapter 13, verse 4 to 5, he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He took off his robe and he served he's what we call the kneeling god the god who knelt before his own creation if you were there and uh, we would have a front row of what is taking place the miracle worker teacher has captivated the attention of more than 5,000 men and he fed them with five loaves of bread and two fish, or walked on water, healed the blind, raised up the dead. And here it is, he took off his robe. Not the first time though. In fact, when he came from heaven to earth, he took off his robe of glory. He became a man. So here it is. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel. All that is to tell us this, that he, that's, that's, that's the dressing of a servant, right? A servant dressed very simply, and a servant is there to tie a towel around the waist in order to serve. See, in those days, we, they don't go about you know, uh, walking around in um, completely closed shoes. Most of us are wearing those closed shoes, but it's more like sandals. Uh, um, and uh, wherever they walk, and they have no tarred roads, and so it was very dusty, and when there's rain, uh, 
their, their feet will be laid with dust, and uh, if it is wet, that means it is caked up with mud. And so the guests would come, and the hose, the good hose will provide a servant, or even then more, to wash the feet of his guests. You know why? Because in those days, they did not sit on chairs to eat their food. Right? They would sit down, and the food is laid down on the ground, or you know, a, a slightly elevated table, and they would recline. That means they would put their feet sideways, and they would recline, and they would talk to each other. And so if you're sitting next to a guy whose feet is not washed, and you're trying to eat your food, it's very unsightly and also you know, smelly. So the, the host provides that uh, service, and he would get the lowest slave to do that. They won't get their own Jewish servants to do it. They would get the Gentile slave to wash the feet of the guests. And Jesus took that position and washed the feet of his disciples. Why did he do that? This verse 1 of John chapter 13 says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Jesus did it because... He loved. He loved what? He loved his own who were in the world. And every act of service, every act of compassion, and even that you are having that zoo outing for the center that is there, it is done out of love. Right? What are you going to get in return? Nothing much, only a few photos. <laughs> At the end of the day, you're going to spend money. You're going to spend time. And uh, you have a lot of responsibility in making sure that, you know, none of the children climb over the cage and not get into where the animals are. <laughs> and, an and a tragedy happens. You know, there's a lot of responsibility when you bring children out. But you do that because, why? You love. Amen? Amen. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 7, it says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So it says that, Have that same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. And who is Jesus? Who being the very nature God. He is God. Right? He is God. But did not consider equality with God as something to be held on. He did not hold on to the position, but He willingly released it. And he came down, became nothing, and took the nature of a servant and been made in human likeness. That is what he did. I, I received a text, you know, from uh, a long-time attendee. So he asked me a question. Says that someone asked him, show me a passage of Scripture that says that Jesus said that I am God and you must worship me. So I received a text. There was actually no specific Bible that tells you that Jesus said, I am God. Do you realize that? There is no particular text that he personally said, I am God and you must worship me. He did not tell it in words, but he demonstrated in his life, right? In, of who he is, what he did. When he said, I am, you look at an Old Testament. I am the one who sent you when Moses was, what is your name? I am that I am. 
And Jesus in the book of John says, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. So only God can say, I am. And here, in this particular passage of Scripture, says, who being very, I, I gave this Scripture to the, to the uh, brother. He says, of very nature, he is God, but did not consider himself equality with God as something to be grabbed through this. He's declared as God. He has the nature of God. And then he became a man and served as a servant, but yet he was elevated above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. You only do that to God, right? You only do that. He, there's no other name that is higher than the name of Jesus. He says everyone will have to confess with their mouth and bow with their knees that Jesus is the Lord. Amen. And you can find many, many scriptures like this. In Jesus receiving worship from the people. And when the three Christmas is coming, how many, the, the, the Magi, uh, um, traditionally they said there are three because of the three gifts. But when they brought the three gifts, what did they do? They placed the gifts to worship Him. You read your scripture. Uh, they came to worship Him. So he became a servant. Here we know that this, that's the next slide, the divine serving the mortal and the creator serving the creator. He is divine. Had no beginning, has no end. Forever, He is. But He served us who are mortal and have a limited span of life. And when Jesus served His disciples, He was serving flawed men. Men who were arguing of who is the greatest and He was serving even the one who betrayed Him. What a wonderful God He is. Now the understanding of Him taking out His robe, right, speaks about him taking the form of man in the position of a servant. But in John chapter 13, verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing his, their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. And he says, Do you know what I've done for you? He asked them. The actual thing is that he took out his robe, he washed the feet of the disciples, right? And then after he completed everything, he put back his robe on and sat back on his original place. That was what happened at that time. But it was also prophetic that it was not just only for him washing the feet, but the greatest act included him finally going to Calvary to die on the cross. He came down as a man in order for him to lay down his life and then he will rise up again and take back his rightful place to sit at the throne of God. So it's prophetic to tell us who Jesus Christ is. Now look, this was not the first time that Jesus is telling them that He is going to the cross to die. He has told them a couple of times and they just could not comprehend it. And right now, at this time here again, they were totally oblivious of the time frame 
that the death of Jesus Christ will be so very, very near. It's just going to happen, going to happen in the next you know, um, two or three days from then. But they were totally unaware of the time. You see, if it properly happened in the right understanding, the disciples should be the one rushing to wash the feet of the Master. That was his last week. In fact, it says that the Lord's Supper took place on Thursday night. Before Judas came and, and led the soldiers into the Garden of Gethsemane and arrested Jesus. If you wouldn't know that someone is going to, about to go, we would tend to his every need. Huh? To make the person as comfortable as possible, okay, what would your last request will be? And uh, we will be there taking care of the individual, so to speak, washing the feet of the person. He was going to die. He was going to save the world. He was going to fulfill his core mission. Should it be that the disciples will be there serving the Master? But no, he was there serving them instead. And when he came to Peter, and he wanted to wash Peter's feet, Peter probably is the only one who understood what was going on and says that here is, you know, Jesus. Um, sometime earlier on, it says that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He had the revelation. And uh, to wash my feet, the feet of, you know, rough fishermen, he says, no, you shall not wash my feet. Never wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you will have no part of me. Obviously, Peter by Peter, right? If you're going to wash my feet, might as well wash my hand, wash my, <laughs> my head, and, and uh, give me a, a full bath. He says, oh, it is enough. Once you are clean, you only need to wash your feet. See, the people who live life, you know, they, they are very good. They want to serve other people. But do you know, as much as we require humility to serve others, it requires humility for us to receive help from others. If you have a problem in your life that you are struggling with, you have always been a good counselor, helping people, and right now, you just cannot think your way through. And at times, it is out of pride. I'm not going to ask anyone. I'm not going to ask anyone for help. I've never done that before. But you see, it requires for us to have humility to receive help. It is very freeing. There is a lot of liberty when we allow ourselves to be ministered upon. There are some people who would pray for everybody when they come at the altar, but when they have a need, they will not respond to an altar call. Because they said, what would people think about me? Right? I've always been seen as someone that's strong, someone who is able to take care of my own problems. And for me to have someone else to lay hands upon me for prayer, uh, they find it too hard. So it, it takes humility to receive help. But Jesus said these words to Peter. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath need only to wash his feet his whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and, that what, and that's why he said, not everyone was clean. So he told Peter, if you are clean, you don't need 
to be cleansed again. All you need is to be washed on your feet. There is a difference between cleansing and washing. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Right? Only the blood of Jesus can you know, wash us of all of it. Not even water baptism. You don't get water baptized to be saved. You are already saved in order and then you, be, then you get water baptized. Uh, but you don't go, ah, but uh, pool, uh, don't there, there's no running water. The sin is still, if I come out, the sin is there in the water. No, no, you've got to have uh, some running water so that the no, water run, takes away your, your, your sin. Uh, that, that is not what Scripture says. Uh, we are already saved and then we follow the Lord in water baptism in the next step of obedience. So there's a cleansing and there's a washing. Washing means our feet, we still need to come before God, even after accepting Jesus Christ, that there are times that we have done wrong, we ask God for Him to forgive us. We don't get saved again. If you have to get saved again many, 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 many times, it means you are unsure of your salvation. You need to know that you are a child of the living God. Just like you are a child in your family, do you have parents? It doesn't mean that when you do something wrong, they, you are no longer their child. Oh, I was afraid, you know, you may not want me back. Uh, I, I forgot to do my duty. Mom, you know, I, I left that dustbin you know, there and uh, I didn't wash it. And suddenly you're so afraid that uh, are you going to be no longer you know, a mother's boy? No, there will always be a relationship with you, right? But it says that if you have done wrong, you still have to ask for, I'm sorry, for forgiveness. But you are saved. Amen? Amen. Amen. So there's a difference between union and communion. We are united with Christ. You accept Christ, you are united with Christ. But it says sometimes our communion is sparse. We have drawn away from God. And therefore, we come back to the Lord and be restored in our communion with Him. So then comes, after Jesus has washed the feet of the disciples, He did not only just did a beautiful thing to the disciples, but He had a lesson to teach them. And so, right now I'm coming to that lesson. We know the story. We know the background of it. And what the Lord wants us to do is that if we have learned this story well enough, we will do what He tells us to do. In verse 13 to 14, He says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. So Jesus knew, you call me Lord. You call me teacher. And he says, that's absolutely correct. I am a teacher, but more than a teacher, I am the Lord. And if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, go and wash one another's feet. So he has set us an example not just only for us to discuss in our, our small groups, not just only have a Bible study on it, not only just to make it as a prayer point, even though that is fabulous, but it says, until we do it, we have not been changed by that truth. We need to be doing what He did. Therefore, He goes on, He says, right now, you are a servant and a messenger. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent me. 
Can someone show, lift up your hands if you think you are greater than the Lord? <laughs> yeah? None of us. I think that's why we, when Christ comes in, a, in His presence, we lie prostrate on the ground with our face downwards. He is so high and He is so exalted. We are nothing compared to God. Therefore, He says that no servant is greater than the Master. If ever there is one thing that we want to be, we should be more like Jesus, is that we should be more like Jesus in the way that He serves. Serving others makes us more like Jesus. I love your prayer emphasis. One week, every month. Last week, for fasting and prayer. That's a fantastic emphasis. I tell you that we need to serve people. We need to meet needs. We need to touch lives. Otherwise, sometimes our prayers can only be within the four walls of our building. I say that about my own church as well. Our prayers are just only the four walls of our own building or it is only in our Zoom group. As much as it's nice in our comfort of homes, we can pray and pray, but it is within our own group. Once it's switched off, that group is gone, that link is gone. Right? Will anyone feel the power of our prayers the only way that a power is released is when we go out and we touch someone's life. Jesus did not build an office in Galilee. He did not build an office and says, anyone who wants to come and see me and receive prayer and healing and counsel, he says that they have got to come and meet me in my office. No, Jesus went out to the people, walked the streets, crossed on boats, meet with the people where they are, where they are suffering, and He went out to reach them. So we need to, church, we need to get out of our buildings, out of our groups, in order to touch the lives of hurting people. So the key is this, in John chapter 13, verse 17, know that you, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. We'll be blessed only if we do them. So the example of Jesus is for us to do what He did and not to be observed as an ordinance. That's the next slide. Now, some people say, you know, well, Jesus did an example. Shouldn't we have feet washing every Sunday or every once a month? Uh, some literally practice it. Okay? They practice water baptism as an ordinance, and the other one is holy communion. Right? I'm sure you have that as an ordinance. Church has two ordinances, but there are some groups that have the third ordinance that every first week of the month while they're having communion, they also have a ceremony called the feet washing ceremony. I'm not saying that that is good or right or wrong, but Jesus did not come to institute another ordinance. He came to set as an example that the feet washing ought to be out there. On a regular basis, touching the lives of people, ministering to their needs, and not just washing symbolically the feet of one another. Let me end 
are sharing with this testimony. There was a young man by the name of Mark Bantain from Canada. He's the son of a pastor, son of a pastor of a pretty large church. And um, his father went on to become the um, superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Canada. So he was a, and his whole future is made out for him. He's following the steps of his dad, but when he got married and all that, he received a call. He received a call to go to India. And so he made preparations to go to India. And he went. And he landed himself at Calcutta. And there he was a young man and as an evangelist, they would build a tent and a rent an empty field from a, a Muslim man and uh, they preached the gospel. People were coming. But then the monsoons came. It became flooded. So they could not continue on with that. And therefore, you know, they decided to rent a place. So they found a place that can house them for them to do the evangelistic work that was above a nightclub. So there were people, you know, so was making a say that, you know, downstairs is hell, upstairs is heaven. <laughs> uh, so, but he, he preached the word. And uh, people were coming and believing. And one Sunday service, there was an unknown man from the back of the church shouted this. A man of God, don't tell us about your God in heaven. First of all, feed our stomachs because we have no food to eat. The service was interrupted. But it says it's something pricked right into his heart. He never, that never left him. And he brought it before God in prayer. And so he prayed. The Lord began to lead him to minister to various needs. They got a place to build a church, but he also ministered to the, the children. They were running around, orphans. He began to feed the children. He began to, to time, was able to build a hospital to give free care to you know, people who are sick with all kinds of um, illnesses and diseases and almost at nothing, he would give them away. But he took great faith. And he reached out to the people. And from one thing to another, he was able to, in his time, was feeding about 1,500 children. His church grew to about 4,000 people. Imagine in those days in Calcutta, 4,000 people feeding 1,500 children. And by the time he passed away in 1989, I think, right? His ministry, they have reached out to start 700 churches all across India. And they were able to serve 100,000 patients on a yearly basis in the hospital. Just because he heard God speaking through a homeless man. Don't tell us about your God. Give us food to eat first. Now there is a place for us to share the gospel. We need to touch people's lives. 
they need to see the church outside of the walls. They need to see us doing what Jesus Christ has done. And it says, if I, the Lord, your, you, the Lord and your teacher have done this, go and do likewise to one another. Go and do likewise to people on the outside. I believe that we're going to be able to change our community when the church goes in the love of God to meet the needs of people. And all of us can do it. It doesn't take much to wash the feet of others. It just requires us for our obedience, love to fill our hearts, and for us to say, Lord, use me. Father, we thank you for your presence even here. Thank you for the word. Thank you for all the church has done for you. Right now, they are even reaching out to the children and having a program for them in touching lives. And I know that they have a heart of love for you. They've been praying to God how to reach their community. And perhaps this is what you are challenging the church to do. Father, help us to be indeed the light to the world of others who live in darkness. Help us to be bread to feed the hungry. Help us to offer water to those who are thirsty. Help us to bring hope to those who are in prison. Help us to lift up those who are weighed down with pain and disappointments. I pray that you will cause us to change in the priorities of our lives. That we will be more like you. Speak through us. Touch the lives of others through our hands. Help our feet to walk on roads that will lead to meet the needs of others. I thank you. I pray that you start the work in everyone's life. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.